everyone, it's John. And before the episode proper starts, just want to take a quick moment and give a special tribute to Carol Locatell, who played Ethel in Friday the 13th Part 5. She just passed away recently at the age of 82, and we've had a lot of fun uh, with her character Ethel on the podcast so far. And uh, sad to see her go. She's had a very long career being in stuff all the way from Coffee, The Flying Nun, Bonanza, all the way up to Shameless, Mad Men, and of course, Ethel. Would you shut your trap? Uh, So I'm sure wherever she is now, she's calling an angel a dildo. You big dildo. Thank you, Carol Locatell. Enjoy the show, everybody. Hello and welcome to This May Hurt a Bit. My name is James Strayer and this is John C. Myers. And we are a horror franchise podcast discussing each film in popular and not so popular horror franchises. And today we are talking about Saw 5 from 2008, the Roger Corman movie of the Saw franchise. And by that, I mean not fun. It means made up of deleted scenes from other films and sewn together somehow (laughs) is what it felt like to me. Is this a movie, John? I don't know. Is this a collection of deleted scenes from parts one and two? I I don't, man, I can't wait until we move forward in this story. Yes, is just my frustration, you know? I think that's that's kind of what it is, because you say uh, it's made up of deleted scenes. And then I think of Phantasm 4. And I'm like, hell, yeah, that ruled. (laughs) That's not. Yes, that's not what this is. Right. This just and I I, the more and more I think about it, the more and more I don't like the lost episodic TV type nature of this thing, Mm -hmm. because these past two movies have just been kind of like resetting or explaining previous things as before. And in an episode of like an like a TV show, it's like, oh, well, that was one hour out of 13. Mm -hmm. Whereas this is I would have paid to see this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. infinitely frustrating this yeah. one is what i hope is the nadir of of the series because it's I, yeah it's not i hope great. so this one this one i was really disappointed in i did check before we started recording i was just like you know i'm not a saw aficionado this is not my franchise but i am curious what the fans think and so i yeah. went on and i i tried to skim as much as i could because I didn't want to spoil any future things for me, but uh, Saw 5 did end up near the bottom or at the bottom of several of those lists. Mm-hmm. Somehow it, it, it ended up as like, you know, third or fourth on a couple others, and each of those writers were just like, unpopular opinion here, and I was just like, oh, you're one of those yeah. people. Um, yeah. Wait, well, tell me more about Prometheus and Alien Covenant and <laughs> exactly. how smart you are for liking them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Again, this is this is. I mean, for all of, for all y'all fans out there, I apologize. This might be a little bit more contentious. Well, not between John and I, but um, between uh, yeah. John and I and Jigsaw, I think than than normal. This this is a tough one. And if yeah, if we don't somehow manage to convince each other that we liked it by the end of this podcast, please let us know what you like uh, about it. Yeah. Because I don't. You know, I'm I'm totally willing to listen to. It. I just don't. It made me appreciate 
one through three a lot more. Mm-hmm. I think some of it is just I don't like Hoffman and his whole thing That's uh, a on huge a variety bit. of levels. I think it's it's we talked about you you brought up uh, our friend Michael mentioning Jigsaw is going to die, so we got to replace him with someone. I I don't like Hoffman's whole thing. It's not very mm-hmm. interesting to me because he's not really interesting as a character. They haven't fleshed him out at all. Yeah, and this is the second movie that's about. I mean, obviously the first one is a little bit more like surprise. It's Hoffman or in four. Yeah, but this one you you spent way more time explaining things than giving Hoffman any reason other than he's being blackmailed to do this. Right. And I didn't really I didn't love that. And it's also when you have somebody as charismatic and striking and weird and interesting to look at and listen to as Tobin Bell, Mm -hmm. then you got this schlub standing there like Hoffman. And again, like that's not that's not a knock on someone's appearance. That's a knock on, uh, you know, charisma to the camera. You know why he is or is not interesting to watch as an actor. But like when when you're when you're a second banana to Tobin Bell. It, I, I, that's just such a sharp drop off as far as our villain goes. Mm-hmm. And and I can't get too mad at it, I should say, because, you know, you think about it. What does everyone love in a good mystery movie? And it is the moment where the the detective or whoever, the main mm-hmm. character that's, that's, that's trying to solve this thing, stands in a room and imagines what happened, because that is all Strom does in this movie. He just wanders from room to room and then goes, aha. Yeah. And then moves on to another room and, <laughs> yeah, thanks. In a lot of these rooms, unless I'm misinterpreting some sort of filmmaking method here or something, a lot of these rooms I just thought, like, didn't they rope these off or clean these out or, or crime scene right. these or something? Like, why did they leave Jigsaw's, like, deathbed still there for, like, fans <laughs> yeah. to show up and pay homage to in a weird sort of way? Yeah. I don't know. This city just does not really deal with it because then when Strom goes to visit, like, the the hospital bed of his dead partner. Like there's still just like bloody sheets everywhere exactly for him to just stare at like no one, the custodial industry in this city, terrible. <laughs> no. It's a vast rehaul. Totally. And, but then I get frustrated cause I'm just like, well, how much time has passed? And I guess I could do some dil- due diligence and look up some sort of timeline where all of this like is really laid out because I'm just like, well, wouldn't the city shut down these crime scenes? And then I'm like, well, maybe, maybe this is just two days after when yeah. this all happened. Yeah. I can't quite. Yeah, parse I really that. enjoy a movie that makes me have to do homework. To figure out what's going on. That's <laughs> right. cool. That's yeah. that's really awesome. Totally. But like it's it was just I, I found just so much of that very frustrating. And let alone the fact that this is like a worst version of Saw 2, where you have these parallel stories. You have mm-hmm. Strom and Hoffman's whole thing. And then you have the people, the group of people that are trapped somewhere. But yeah. there is no relation between them at all. Mm-hmm. They're just two different movies happening at the same time, and they don't really come together. But then you, but then you start thinking, oh well, that'll pro- they'll probably explain that in the next, mm-hmm. one, you know, which is awful. Oh great, like, that's not a good way to do that. Yeah, yeah. Let me just watch this movie and enjoy it. This is a self-contained film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, well, gosh. Okay, so let's for let, let's get a positive going right here. Um, yeah, this first trap was pretty gnarly. Yes. So it's a, just a full-on pit in the pendulum. It's kind of like a, how did we make it five films into a Saw franchise without getting a pit in the pendulum here? Uh-huh. And my God, kudos to the effects department because when they tear that guy's guts out, that was impressive. It's great. And yeah. I, I dug it. Really good opening gore sequence here. Yeah, so we open on this guy, and my first thought was like, 
oh, guy has Nazi tattoos. Good riddance. I don't care. Yes. Um, <laughs> like, uh, like a full on Iron Cross and the Lightning Bolt SS things. I was like, yeah. all right, <laughs> cool. Yeah. But well, they're, they're like, they're almost SS, but not. It's like, look, I'm, look, I believe in all the Nazi shit. I just don't want anyone to really know about it. So I'm just kind of, you know, if you get it, you get it. Right. Like, well, that was funny because I think it shows one of the two lightning bolt ones. And I was like, wait, that's kind of SS. Wait, you know, I've seen yeah. enough like, you know, terrible metal bands and stuff with that out there when I've researched to make sure like, oh, this isn't a fascist band that I'm listening to here. Right, Something yeah. you have to do with modern music sometimes. But then it pans up and shows the Iron Cross. And I was like, oh, nope, there you go. <laughs> he, yeah, a, it was a like racist a and a coward. Right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes, sure. So yeah, they uh, this guy uh, you don't you find out later. Might as well just jump to it. But this guy's name was yeah. Seth Baxter, and he mm-hmm. murdered Hoffman's sister again. Yeah, domestic uh, domestic dispute thing. Right. The funny thing is, is like, would it be better if somehow in the plot they draw attention to the fact that he was a racist or not? Or is that just for the fans well, of that stuff? Like, well, <laughs> it just seems so pointless. Some, some racism for the fans. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but, well, it kind of makes you wonder, like, so what was her whole deal? <laughs> right, like, exactly. this guy... Yeah, like, you know, I can change him or was she like, no, no, I seriously like I, I listen to Tucker Carlson a lot. I, yeah, I believe this stuff. <laughs> right. Hoffman. First problem. Mind your own family for a second. Your sister is dating a Nazi <laughs> before you go after yeah. anybody else. Yeah. Problem there. Um, anyway, he gets he gets all cut up. And again, in a great effect. Mm-hmm. And we see kind of like a hooded figure looking through the door. Then we see a whole bunch of flashbacks at the end of Saw 3 and 4, I believe, when uh, Jeff is shot yeah. at the end. Jigsaw's on the bed. And immediately I was like, okay, God, now we're going back to here. And mm-hmm. Detective finds behind the wall a tape recorder. This is Agent Strom. <laughs> the recorder says, If you're hearing this, then you finally found what you've been looking for. But is the discovery of my body enough? Or will your insatiable hunger to uncover the truth push you deeper into the abyss? In my warning, do not proceed. For this room can either be your sanctuary or it can be your grave. And then he immediately gets jumped by a pig face. Strom gets captured by Hoffman and put in a trap he can't escape. Was that Jigsaw's initial plan... Or was that Hoffman's like putting some stank on it and like, I don't need to teach you anything. I need you to not indicate me in any of this. And if it was either of those, why not just kill him? Right. You know what I mean? Like, like you, there's all this other carnage around. What's another dead there's body? There's so many easier ways to go about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. How is, how is Jigsaw gonna, Hoffman, how is Jigsaw gonna know that you didn't go through with the trap and you just shot this guy? Right. No one's going to no one's going to. And I don't even think he set it up as just like, you know, this will be your lesson if you can get out of this. I think it's just straight up. I'm going to drown you in this water. And the funny thing is, having watched, you know, four of these so far, my first thought was, is that water or is it like acid Uh or something like alcohol or something really gross? Nah, it's just water. Okay, fine. And I did look up how they shot this sequence and evidently. The actor was just like, okay, I'll go ahead and do it. And they rigged up some places where they could slide the glass off the back if he made a certain, you know, um, tapping on the glass or something. But evidently he was really, really uncomfortable with the idea that he had to go through with 
this and do it instead of having a stunt man. It sounded, I don't know, in this age, especially after a couple of onset tragedies that we've seen a couple of years ago, like I might, my tolerance yeah. for that kind of thing is less and less and less. Uh, just safety on set is just a little bit yeah. cavalier with stuff like this. So, yeah. Neat looking trap, like mm-hmm. the way that's lit, where it's just, you see that the, the lights are only inside yes. the box and you just see his head at first. Mm-hmm. Really cool. And, and a scary trap, but part of my problem with the traps in, in, in this, or at least some of them anyway, is that because we've learned that Hoffman, like Amanda, just sort of like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. There, there's no tension uh, to, to me because I, and really, I also don't give a shit if Strom dies. I, I, I mean, don't, there you I don't go. like this guy. Yeah. I don't particularly care. But the fact that you're like, well, there's not a choice for him to make. It's just, is he going to die or not? Mm-hmm. And I don't. You know, oh, I guess he didn't. Yeah, okay. I guess he's okay. Uh, it kind of takes away, or like even Seth Baxter at the beginning, it's he has to make the choice to either get split in half by the by the pencil oh, yeah. or put his hands in a couple of things to push buttons that, and then his hands will get crushed mm-hmm. and that will release him. And then oh, his hands get crushed. Oh, it doesn't matter. He dies anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's like okay, once well, again, we're still on this like trap thing where it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. No tension. Not necessarily the same with the with the group, but um, right. My issues with the group traps are we'll get to those. Yeah. So he he escapes by performing a uh, tracheotomy on himself with a ballpoint pen, which is pretty great. I thought. Brutal. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't even know if I have the strength to <laughs> get a pen through my Adam's apple or, or wherever that is. I don't even know. how. I've never studied how to give myself a yeah. tracheotomy is what I'm saying. Maybe yeah, I should. I can, I can guarantee you I would just immediately murder myself, <laughs> yes. whether or not that was my intention. <laughs> right. It would just be I would sever like eight different arteries <laughs> just trying to yeah. do that. You know, this time I got it. This time <laughs> right. I got it over and over. <laughs> yeah. Cops arrive. He walks out the little girl that was trapped at the end of part three. Yes. And nobody else made it from the movies. And I guess Hoffman is like kind of surprised to see him get out. You know, that yeah. there, there's there's the moment where, you know, any other observant police officer should be looking at Hoffman, who's who's shocked face of somebody walking out alive, being like, is this our guy? Nah, it's all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm totally <laughs> happy that he's I'm not totally dead. Oh, glad. shit. Yeah. Brilliant casting decision to have your hero and the antagonist be the exact same guy. I, like I they, was, they look like the same person. It was really kind of maddening at a certain point. Just a couple of slab meat faces. It just like <laughs> I, I just could not. I, I remember thinking to myself, like as another one of those, like, am I just dumb or are these guys just like indistinguishable? Uh, practically. Yeah. So yeah, Jill uh, Kramer's wife meets with a lawyer, and of course, he's left a videotape for her, which strikes me as very romantic, you know, just treats her mm-hmm. just like all of his uh, victims. You know, if, if if you were watching this, I am, I am dead. And uh, she carries a key around her neck that is, that goes to a box that he then, like, presents, the lawyer presents to her. Mm-hmm. She opens the box, and we don't see what's in there. Yeah. I may just be forgetting this, but we don't find out what's in there the entire movie, right? Nope. We only see her one other uh, one other point to help cast some doubt on Strom. Uh, but right. I'm sure we'll find out what she was up to in the next movie mm-hmm. in an attempt to make the time spent in this movie worthwhile. Yeah, this is one of those great elements of like, I, I'd be so curious if the writers were just like, ah, just make, we'll, we'll figure out what goes in the box next year right. when we're when we're signed on for our next script. Because yeah, they, I was reading a thing where like they they do basically 
they come with the with the, the rough script in like a week and then they'll yes. like fine tune it after that but it is just mm-hmm. like i don't know i feel like there's a certain amount of like just kick this can down the road for some of this stuff oh completely and just think about that what that does to your production heads it's just like mm-hmm. okay we're we understand that changes happen in pre-production but if you guys are constantly rewriting this script <laughs> yeah. while we have to build these things that's got to be frustrating yeah absolutely Mark Kaufman is now a detective lieutenant, and he's getting a promotion ceremony. Hoffman uh, gives a speech and talks about how we should all cherish our lives every day. Sound familiar, huh? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, get, did you did you catch that? I missed it at first because I was too excited to see Al Sapienza as the uh, <laughs> oh yeah like the the chief of police or whatever. Uh, I, I like mainly he's a character actor. Mainly you might know him as he was Mickey in like the first season of Sopranos. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god, it's that guy. Yeah. Or if you right. see Money Plane, his fantastic turn in Money Plane. I still uh, need to see you that. You might recognize yeah. it from that. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I almost uh, submitted that for Bad Movie Night one time, but yeah, uh, I, I think it was after you had already seen it. So yeah. It's better than some of the things we've watched. I'll say that. Hoffman goes back to his office and he finds a simple note saying, I know who you are. And then Perez from the last movie, Old Shrapnel Face, has died officially. Uh, yeah. Her partner, Strom, Grills Hoffman about why Perez said his name as her final words and tries to put it together why Hoffman got out of the situation okay. So how did Perez put it together that, that it was Hoffman? I don't remember if she had definitive proof or not. She was no. just thinking along the way. So this is just the screenwriters being like, we need somebody's final death words for no apparent reason to point the finger at Hoffman. Basically. And it's like, it's okay. a way for whether or not that was actually her indication or if she was just like, you know, Hey, tell Hoffman. I said, what's up? There you go. It yeah. is, it is strong becoming like increasingly freaked out about this whole thing. Right. And wanting to, to put the blame on, uh, Hoffman. Mm-hmm. They have a, a tete-a-tete and because Strom has had a tracheotomy, his voice is a lot gruffer. So they have a gruff off. Look at you. A couple of scratches and a story about how your arm straps broke. Jigsaw doesn't make mistakes. Is this you theorizing again? Because Jigsaw's dead. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about you and your whole crooked department. My department's gone. They're all dead. There's no one left. Besides you. Not mm-hmm. nearly as good mm-hmm. as the Tony Todd Divoff oh, yeah. Wishmaster yes. one. But I mean that's it's it's unfair of me to even try to compare it. But it was still a Divoff just like, gruff off. I mean, where are you gonna go? Off. You're not gonna do any better. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh Strom is now off the case. He's been endangering too many lives. Uh he gets mm-hmm. kicked off. But unfortunately, the chief does not take his badge and gun. I was looking forward. We almost got yep. that in the hallway there. I don't know if that guy is actually a chief, but I just started calling him chief through oh, all yeah, my he's notes. He's a superior. That's good enough. He's, a, he's yeah, chief he's enough. Just, he's just chief. He's got the chief mustache. I just call him chief. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he is. He looks like the Inspector Gadget chief. He's a chief. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Strom is still kicking around there with his badge and gun, causing a menace, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. A new group of people now wake up in the warehouse. We have our adventuring party through this dungeon of traps. Yes. Uh, They have collars tied around their necks. They all immediately start debating whether or not it's Jigsaw, which Uh so we've we've come to this point in the franchise. Well, we did last last time, I think, too. But I always enjoy it at that, you know, in the crossover part of the franchise we talked about in Friday the 13th, where they start talking about Jason Voorhees. Not just right. Mama Voorhees, but like 
Mm-hmm. Especially on Friday the 13th. We're going back to the place where this killer is. Whatever. Right. Um, now everybody is very aware. We we live in a world where Jigsaw lives and operates. Yeah. So they talk about him. Yeah, he's not just on the cover of Pacific <laughs> Engineering magazines anymore. He's yes. he's everywhere. Yeah, and they know who he is. Mm-hmm. And my, my, I love going into this is that you have Hoffman going back into his lair. And he sees he's got a whole like video set up, much like two of this area and then these people you just see him the thing like passed out and he's got a little dollhouse of them and mm-hmm. he notices that one is laying a different way so he adjusts it yes. you don't have enough to do you got to make a little no. dollhouse of this thing i mean kind of cute like yeah. it's like well no it's incorrect so i gotta play with them as they do it too uh, it's like <laughs> it's, it's got like a little captain power thing it's ridiculous yes but, yeah, exactly. but they wake up and i hate these people <laughs> I yes mean, they, like the actors are, are fine but particularly mm-hmm. the bald British man. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, you make me hate him. And I know like you're not supposed to like him. Like they, they of course. do that very well. And his performance, Carlo Rota as, as Charles mm-hmm. and just how they introduce him. So all these people are tied up and they're kind of accusing one another. They have yeah. their uh, collars around their, their neck with wires going back to somewhere into the wall. And then to potentially pull them into these triangle of blades, this uh, mm-hmm. was just going to lift off their head. And so they immediately start accusing, like, who are you? Why did you bring me here? All this, all this stuff. And one of them asks Charles, like, who are you? And he just stares at him. Yeah. That's it. And man, yep. I just wanted to punch that guy in the face. It's like, how did you think yeah. that was helpful? How did you right. think that like not responding was going to be? And then when you find out like why, what he, who he eventually is, why did you not say anything? It doesn't. Right. Exactly. You just like made me hate this guy. Especially for, in this dire situation. Yeah. Turns out mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a, a a journalist, uh, maybe a muckraker, but it was still just like, why didn't you made a mm-hmm. big deal out of keeping it from me? And there's yeah, that was the reveal. OK, that was it. Yeah. I mean, the initial what what I did enjoy about this scene is especially because if they live in a world where Jigs- Jigsaw exists and they've read about him and the stuff like that, there was at least a little bit of at the outset. Hey, hold on. Let's keep our cool. Yeah. Check out these cords going around. Like there was a little bit of like problem solving that was going on instead of mm-hmm. just going nuts and blowing their cover immediately. And I, th- I thought that was kind of effective at first. Yeah. And and it's fun. Like I mentioned in Saw 2, the idea of thinking this was sort of funny that this was an escape. the You know, in Saw 2, it's an escape the room game. And now we do those as team building exercises. Yes. Whereas this whole thing is a team building exercise, mm-hmm. particularly after the revelation. It's uh, it's very ridiculous. Yes. Jigsaw tells them at the beginning, he's like, hey, in choosing how to react to this situation, your lifelong instincts will tell you to do one thing. But I implore you to do the opposite and they go perfect i'm not gonna pay attention to any of that right also to i think it was it's greg brick uh as the junkie guy Mm -hmm. he was totally giving off i'm gonna get murdered right away vibes yeah and he does not and i was i was impressed at that little sleight of hand because it's like totally oh this guy's going and then Mm -hmm. and then no so you're saying saw five is a commentary on franchise films you know, subverting Absolutely. expectations, you know, as mm-hmm. in, in our best Ryan Johnson way. Yeah, I think that was the only subversion that I enjoyed. <laughs> in this, was that they kept that guy around a little bit longer. Yeah. This movie does, or at least the last couple have, have done some serious changes in how. Right. How I view this off franchise. Totally. They all managed to get out of this initial trap by just 
you know, running forward, bashing some glass, getting a key out and uh, getting the collar off around their neck, except for one woman on the far right. She's unable to run forward. I was a little bit unsure about how the physics of all this worked, but I guess it doesn't really Mm -hmm. matter. She fails, gets jerked backwards and decapitated. And a pretty well done, like little makeup effect scene. Yes, I like that little effect. We, mm-hmm. we find out she was a fire marshal, sort of thing, like a oh, yeah. did fire investigation. Mm-hmm. What's his, but the the journalist knew that. Yes, but yeah, they all go for the keys, and they almost all survive. Mm-hmm. And then before they leave, uh, Britt, played by Julie Benz, who uh, a lot of people might know as Dexter's wife, girlfriend from the first few seasons. I thought that was Dexter. the case. Yeah. Uh, she grabs all, all, all the keys before they leave. You collect all the items before you leave the room. Yeah. Yeah. So we cut to Strom doing some research this about Hoffman. This is where we put two and two together that uh, Baxter at the beginning was Hoffman's brother-in-law, I suppose. Man, that sounds mm-hmm. worse when you say it like, like that. Brother-in-law. He killed his brother-in-law. Yeah. Strom investigates the pendulum crime scene. This is again where it's just like so they so they didn't take all this shit down, yeah. <laughs> you know. After a man was eviscerated in this room, <laughs> we're just like leaving this up. Now I understand, like if you're an FBI agent, you have certain access, but they didn't do the classic thing where he tears down some yellow tape to go through the crime yeah. scene. No, it's just a room where the pendulum is. Yeah, cool. Yeah, the, this plays with time a lot in in that way, and that like I don't fully understand how much later exactly this is. Yeah, because it seems significantly later mm-hmm. than his backstory. Same thing with, and not to give too much away, but when Hoffman finds that note that says, I know who you are, is that the same note he had before as someone else writing a note? I wasn't sure when that took place, like chronolo- I mean, obviously it takes place after he gets promoted, mm-hmm. but it seemed like earlier he got that same note too. Yeah. So yeah. What's happening there. And, and it was, it, it, I didn't find it compelling as more as much as just confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, Certainly, but yeah, but there's this this series is no so much to that. like be like. Turns out it's this, but it's also confusing because so much of it is just told in flashbacks upon flashbacks. Exactly. So it's that can be a little discombobulating. Back to the adventuring party in the dungeon. They smartly don't shut the door right away. Which again, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm giving them a little bit of credit for doing the like we're not going to be dumb horror movie victims in this situation. So they look around. They're trying to think off what they're going to do. They also just go around the room and just tick off what they all do for work, which did remind me of your team building exercise yeah. <laughs> analogy. Well, too. One, of, one of my favorite parts of that is they're trying to figure out how they're all connected because yeah. Jigsaw and his tape made some reference to that. And uh, Luba, played by Megan Good, uh, find out that she works for the city planning department. I think it's, I, it's I, it might be a little bit later here, but someone points out that, you know, she probably accepted bribes to do all this, get the, the preferred contracts going then when we find out that uh brit julie benz's character is for like a high-powered real estate firm how luba goes the marshford group now you can't get a permit in this town without going to the department of city plan right yeah we're Mm. a giant real estate firm like what a clumsy (laughs) piece of exposition that (laughs) was don't you know how this works yeah i would know that thank you yeah yeah it does sort of further this that this whole affair with them is is just a what a misunderstanding oh my god my favorite if you guys just took two seconds mm-hmm. and 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 honestly you you find out that uh, when the reveal happens to the end you realize how much of this could have been avoided if the journalist just wasn't a giant piece of shit yep there you go um 
because he is like, oh, whatever, let's just, it's a game, let's go. And the room that they're in has all these jars on the ceiling that they're all looking yeah. at. They can't tell what's going on. They're lighted jars that have something in them. And there are some grates on the wall. And this is a bit confusing. Yeah. But by design. Jigsaw on the tape lets them know like, hey, okay, so you guys, there are all these bombs in the corners. There's four grates on the side of the wall. Mm-hmm. But only three keys to open them. Yep. If you have to get in there and those, there's are, there are only three points of safety once these bombs go off. Mm-hmm. So you got to make the choice. What happened to the fourth chamber? You just started talking about the fourth chamber and then you just went away and no one pays attention to it again. It doesn't even, even in the reveal, it doesn't get brought up like, oh yeah, we could have used that same key twice. No one even thinks about it. Right. Charles immediately starts busting the glass stuff with a stick mm-hmm. and like barely even looking for the key. Right. He's just like, kind of kicks around some glass. No, no. No, he's doing teamwork. He's just smashing up the glass so that the other people can look on the on the ground. Yeah. You know? And so. then they get, the, yeah, then then they they get, get the all keys. the keys and he doesn't. Right. <laughs> Way to go, genius. Yeah. Because he actually, like, he tries to prevent the junkie guy from getting one of the keys and Luba hits him with a stick. Because mm-hmm. uh, he's already like, survival of the fittest. Yeah. And Luba's like, yeah, yeah how about survival of the and then wax him, and then they, the three, get into their safe spaces. And you realize as they're crawling in, they're like, there is so much room inside those things. Exactly. Yes. So already I'm a little like, okay. Right. Why didn't Dubious. you guys think about that at all? But yeah. In a rush, I, you know, you're you're stressed, adrenaline's going. Give me give me into a tube, is what the brain says. I did I did enjoy his the journalist's reaction right before the explosion. He just like immediately tries to go into reasoning mode, like, wait, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> Which is probably <laughs> yeah, not, some, I don't have the upper hand. Yeah, that like that's probably something that I would do. Like, can't we just talk about this? <laughs> it was an odd choice because you had this guy that you presented as like, okay, well, he's he's this antagonist within the group, you know, almost like Frankie in part two. Yeah. Oh, he's already gone. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, all that tension on that part of it is is gone. So I guess it's just gonna be traps from here on out. It, and also just that idea that they're laying early enough that not only are there going to be traps, but everybody has like one person has to basically die. Kind of Charlie in the Chocolate Factory style. Like yeah. each person <laughs> has to die got a, on the Augustus way group of guy in order yeah. to move forward. My yeah. goodness. So yeah. Jigsaw is a Willy Wonka type of character in this analogy. My you know, goodness. I, I don't after after the pig trap, don't really want to eat his chocolate. Don't yeah, there really, you go. Not, not, not really into so it. interested in. And <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be I would love that version of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory where they go to the Wonka factory and it's just pigs being dumped into a, into a sluice, just turning into some like awful goo. Yeah, like, that's where the magic happens, kids. It comes out as candy later on. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's the beginning. <laughs> we just yeah, we have the Oompa Loompas sprinkle some oh. armpit dandruff on it, turns into candy. Anyway, exactly. who wants some chocolate? <laughs> right. No, I'm Ugh. good. Thanks. Ugh. Strum is now, he keeps researching Hoffman, talking to himself, you know, uh, the paper from the previous film, like, I know who you are. Yeah. Now it's a, it's a, a flashback. Hoffman's in the elevator. John Kramer is in there too. It, it was kind of cute to see him all business suited up with his glasses on and stuff. Yeah. It's just like, you know, high class Kramer. Mm-hmm. Jigsaw jumps Hoffman, knocks him out with a syringe and Hoffman wakes up Strapped to a chair with a shotgun underneath his chin, Kramer shows him a headline about Seth dying, blaming Jigsaw, and he's kind of pissed about it. 
that made me laugh a little bit. Just kind of like, oh, you're trying to like copycat me and your shit's not even that good. Well, he kind of has an almost like sort of traditional serial killer Hannibal Lecter kind of thing here. It's it's less that that he's murdering and more that just like, well, you're not doing it properly. Mm-hmm. Now, don't remember. Don't forget, like Amanda murdering. That's bad. Hoffman right. murdering. Hey. Boys will be boys. What are you going to do? Huh? <laughs> Pretty um, good. Just do it right. Which, that was something I that was bothering me throughout this, because uh, you're looking back. Where's Amanda in any of this? That's true. Now, I know some of this is like, you know, we see that this has all happened before that. Mm-hmm. But I still think that leaving that out was a, a bad choice. Like, yes, everyone, you know, who doesn't love Shawnee Smith and then mm-hmm. having an interaction between them might set something up. It just seems less interested in characters than the first three. Sure. And it's more just interested in like moving pieces around and mm-hmm. having, you know, not having moving. any um, response to the violence, just showing you this stuff. And it was, yeah. Yeah. Moving pieces around backwards too. Yeah. It's just Ugh. so w- without even interesting characters, we do get another flashback within a flashback, right? We do get a, a flashback yes. within a flashback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. John Kramer's like, you're not doing it the right way. And I, and I, I do like this concept of seeing something in him like, okay, you get what I'm going for, mm-hmm. but it's not exactly what I'm about. Right. You know, I can. So you're open to this, but I also can make use of your pol- uh, police stuff, the side of things. It's win win for me. He takes my win because he's like, I know who you are. Mm-hmm. So you can arrest me. You can make that choice to arrest me and put me away. Yeah. I'll tell them who you are. Or, right. You know, it's, it's not blackmail. It's just presenting you with an option mm-hmm. in a way that's blackmail. But uh, so Hoffman starts working with him and it occurs to me that like, so it's doing the same thing you see with Amanda, where it's like, well, here's flashbacks to Amanda helping to build the traps that we saw in three. Mm -hmm. But this one, it's like, so you went back and helped Jigsaw get the guy. One of the first kills that we see in Saw, the guy that cut himself and so now has to crawl through razor wire. Right. And as far as we've come with this series to go back now and be like, this guy it seems so strange because mm-hmm. in the first one where it's like this, this, who is Jigsaw? We have no idea. And like, how did he find this guy? But when we've learned all the other machinations he does, how the hell did he just figure out this sad fat guy in a car was going to kill himself? Sure. So I better put him in a thing. Like it seemed, it seemed an odd explanation to, to go through. Right. And again, a situation where all the, tension or anything is gone because we know that guy dies. Like yeah. it's not that, not that great. And it's just, it's just that, that character was just not interesting enough to go back and, and reexamine too. Yeah. I just have this weird thing with these movies now where it's just, I think that the screenwriters just think that if you just show something that the audience has already seen with something slightly different in it, the audience will sit forward and go, Oh, uh-huh. but I don't think that the audience knows why they're saying, Oh, they're just seeing something different with a slight wrinkle to it. But that does, that's not enough yeah. to make me excited. That's not a twist. It's just another guy. The only new information that it brought me and that I very much enjoyed, uh, was jigsaw's cool guy. Look, Oh, with yes. The bald head and totally. a little strip of blonde. Heck like, yeah. Put some puka shells and a bucket hat right, on. Right. <laughs> that dude's at Woodstock 99, man. Exactly. Love that guy. Yep. Uh, oh, God. Woodstock 99 is definitely has all the new metal bands from that do the soundtracks for music like this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> movies like would this. Be there. Yeah. yeah. $12 for a water. I want to play a game. <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> yeah. That he also says in, in this lead up, if the subject survives my method, they are instantaneously rehabilitated. 
Do we even want to bother going to down the rabbit hole of why that's completely incorrect? Uh, or just is it just, you know, like we discussed in previous ones, like, well, when they're rehabilitated, then they're also just fodder for somebody else in another trap. Because in theory, this has been happening for a while, because even in Saw 1, Danny Glover had all those newspaper things on the wall. But every kill that we've seen, every Jigsaw related things that like, yeah, never works out. Mm-hmm. No one is rehabilitated. And the only people yep. that are fuck up again. Exactly. And it's also, you know, going off that uh, uh, boys will be boys thing. Mm-hmm. Why? Why did he? He didn't have Hoffman go through any tests. Sure. He just went, hey, you're my guy. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's true. Up? Yeah. You know, so like what? How come he didn't have? I, I understand that you you think that Hoffman um, made the argument that Hoffman is sort of open to your point of view, but like you you need to almost murder people to make them realize everything else. Why did you have to? Why did he get to skip that? Right. Why didn't you have well, to be like see how much better it is to save? See see how much better you you feel now. Now help me murder people. Right. Was uh, was the shotgun under his chin part of that test? Because then I mean, there's no bullets in it. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. But man, he got off easy if it that was, was it. Yeah, I think I think that was a a hastily put together trap because Jigsaw was like, whoa, I got to do something before you start trying to kill more people under, you know, claiming that. So, right. uh, You know, I've got so many other machinations going. Mm -hmm. I'll just put together this. Yeah, come on. Fast, cheaper, good. Pick two on these traps. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we want it fast and cheap. It's not going to be that good. So, you know, it's the shotgun under the mouth thing here. But, um, but I mean, it was effective because it, you know, because it, it worked, it got him. So yeah. yeah, they leave the um the tunnel where the bomb was, and somebody does say actually that guy was an asshole, but he was smart. And they see the uh-huh. they see the journalist guts all over the place as they crawl out of the tunnels. Just three of them left now. Strom is back to researching. He's seeing the razor wire trap again. This thing's still up. Yeah. Whatever. This is where we see the the big guy in his car uh, drinking, slashing his wrists, and get back to what you were yeah. what you're just talking about. Well, what's also maddening about that is like part of what was spooky about that in the in the first one again is because mm-hmm. like you don't know what this guy's up to and yeah. whatever. But it's just like you're constantly explaining everything. Yeah, and I feel like that's this sort of tied together episodic nature of this thing just makes you constantly explaining, mm-hmm. and it makes it much less interesting, particularly because a lot of the revelations are either completely like obfuscated. They're like, there's no way you would ever know that until sure. they're like, guess what? Hoffman's in on it. Well, how yeah. would I even know, you know, or they're really obvious in that. Like you get used to you know, like over-examining every single tiny piece of dialogue. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, well that, that means that. Uh, right. So that means probably they're in it. We got the trust fund guy uh, admitting that he did something wrong that killed a lot of people. I guess he was hired to burn down a supposedly abandoned buildings uh, in exchange for like what a pound of heroin or something. An, uh, like an ounce of heroin, I think. So. An ounce of heroin. Yeah. And uh, the other lady was the one who put up the new condos and, you know, displaced those people. So it's, you know, what it, it this must be taking place in Portland. Boom. Portland humor. Um, <laughs> oh, but oh. <laughs> yeah. So biting Social um, commentary. <laughs> that's what I expect out of my Saw movies. But um, <laughs> they closed the door to start the game. This one was strange, but kind of effective, I suppose. But the. There's these four jumper cables that don't quite have enough cable to get into a bathtub. They realize somehow that 
I thought this was a real big jump in logic, but like somebody has to be in the bathtub. At first I was yeah. wondering is like, do they just need to get the water level to rise for some reason? But no, they needed to put somebody in there so they could attach all the jumper cables to a body. And so they put they put Luba in there. They end up because Luba's ready to just kill the junkie. Yeah. And put him in there. But then Brit ends up like stabbing Luba mm-hmm. very casually. Very yes. like Brit. Brit seems to not have a problem with murder, which mm-hmm. is she going to be back in the next episode? I don't know, because they, you know, they feel like that's something they would that they would explain. Yeah. If not, I don't particularly care. But um, totally. Yeah. Puts her in the in the tub and then they hook her up to a bunch of things. It was very kind of video gamey. And they're like, oh, you need to open yeah. the door using these five cables. And mm-hmm. yeah. And then sure enough, they fry her enough that uh, the door's able to open. Then uh, we get it. We get a kind of a, a strange sequence where Chief is trying to track Strom's phone, which didn't make a whole lot of sense. But Strom is just wandering around the set of Saw 2 at this point, too. And uh, this comes up later with the phone tracking, but it didn't make a lot of sense to me here. Yeah. Well, you see at the beginning, you see Hoffman take his phone from evidence. Oh, yes. Right. Well, why would the chief be calling a phone that's been taken into evidence? I mean, I guess if he doesn't know. Same number. I I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but that just see that would seemed again like uh, pointlessly confusing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and, and I actually I liked this idea of it. I liked the element of so Hoffman knows that Strom is on to him. Strom is really starting to get his suspicions confirmed uh, that it's Hoffman by standing in rooms and just imagining what happened. Yeah, Hoffman starts like trying to put things in place to make it seem like Strom's going out of his mind. Right, like, he ends up contacting the chief and is and is like, hey, oh, I was trying to reach Strom. He wanted to get back to me. He's, he had a theory that maybe there was something going on on the inside that maybe that's mm-hmm. like Jigsaw had a, had someone on the inside that was helping him out. Like that's how he got all these FBI files and stuff. Yeah. Like, Ooh, that's mm-hmm. very interesting. We got it. We haven't seen Strom. We got to call Strom. Right. Sets it up so that Strom's phone is it the crime scene of, of the, the adventure group. Exactly. The last two people get to the final trap. This trap worked for me. In the sense of there's something about some of these traps that, well, I mean, obviously the entire franchise is about like you forcing yourself to Mm -hmm. get something screwed up, you know, but um, there's a tank with five armholes. And this is where they realize that they should have been working together the entire time because a recording tells them the beaker requires 10 pints of blood. The body can survive on five pints of blood. Uh-huh. But if they had worked together the entire time, all five of them could have just like pricked their finger basically or whatever and uh, gotten out alive. Right. Maybe just lost a finger. Yeah, because the tub situation, if they had all just gotten shocked a little bit, mm-hmm. that would have been fine. Yeah. Um, and then they, they actually, as we mentioned in the in the uh, jar explosion room, there was plenty of room in those tubes for them mm-hmm. to get into. Yeah. And apparently like all the keys for the collars, one key would have unlocked all the collars. Right. They also figure out at this moment that the guy burned down the house mm-hmm. or the burned down the building. And right. basically he did so at the request of Julie Benz's people as yep. Brits people. So they could build more affordable housing. The uh, Luba signed off on it. The journalist helped cover the journalist. it. And then yeah. um, the, the fire marshal thing like wrote a fake report. So they were working together. Yeah. They worked together to kill eight people. Yeah. And so you're thinking, well, you, you need to work together. Mm-hmm. again but this time in a nice way right i don't think i want these people more unified yeah there <laughs> you go they some already, bad things done they already did some bad things but and that that also means that like are they just implying that the the machinations of the red tape 
made it so they didn't know who each other actually were. I guess. If all these things had to actually happen, then it's just like, are you telling me that all these things can happen without them, like, I don't know, talking on the phone with each other or, like, you know, passing a memo around or something? Well, and, and okay, so Charles did it. Like, mm-hmm. like, so Charles knew who they were because he yeah. apparently put it all together. Yeah. But then he buried the story with no real talk about how or why that happened. Yeah. Just that he did. Mm-hmm. So I understand you have a situation. Again, you have this bargain basement clearinghouse of, okay, I got all these people. I don't have time to give them all individual tests. Let's just yes. get them all together. Uh, but the tests aren't specialized to them. Like they were in two where it was like, oh, Amanda needle pit. Yeah. Uh, this, they're just like, no, nah, just work together. People that work together to burn down. And I mm-hmm. thought that was going to, I thought it was somehow going to all tie to like his, whatever he was working on before with the affordable housing or something. Oh yeah. Right. Right. And who it still might, I don't know, but sure. it just seems weird for him. He's about to die. And then he's like, oh wait, I got to make sure I get back at those housing people. Like that's what's important right now <laughs> is that, is that cause he asked Hoffman at one point, he's like, I need you to set up one last game. You're not going to understand it. Yeah. But just set it up for me. Trust me. Mm-hmm. I'll be good. And it's, it does with all the, the, the flashback and stuff, it does try to lay more groundwork that, that yes, indeed, John Kramer can always expect everything. If you're good at anticipating the human mind, it leaves nothing to chance. That's just one of those hand wavy lines you put into a script like that sounds yeah. deep and spooky, but I don't know what even that means. And then it's but it's even more frustrating. It's like, well, then and and I feel like I've said this every episode, but it's like, you know, then if, if that's true, then, you know, these people are going to die. Yeah. You know, these people are going to fuck up and die. So you've just murdered them. Mm-hmm. And you're a poor, you know, you hate murder. And I realize, as we said in the first one of these, that being well actually about this to a crazy person doesn't really matter. Sure. But it does get a little boring when you're when the whole movie is constantly going, you know, five movies and we're like, yeah, but ooh, I I'm against murder and I'm very serious about this or whatever, that we're still on that this like this base hypocrisy rather than doing anything more with it. Exactly. Um it's yeah. it's getting a little tiresome. Certainly. They have to stick their arms in the device. And part of this tension did actually kind of work on me because I was like, you know, anytime you got to stick your arm in a hole of unsuspecting things, but also just Mm -hmm. to watch a table saw tear vertically down your arm. Pretty well done. Yeah. I'm terrified of saws like that. Yes. So, yeah. That this actually worked and especially jumping ahead just a tad when they pull when the one guy pulls his arm out and it just sort of flops back and forth. I was like, that could yes. be my favorite effect of the entire movie. There was something there was almost some comical effects. about that. That worked. And, and to to their credit, mm-hmm. they both do it. Yes. I thought Brie was going to be like, or sorry, I thought Britt was going to be like, Okay, let's put them in in three, two, one. Oops, Oops I didn't. Like yep. now, your your hand. You're totally. I'm just gonna let you die, and I'll walk out of here. But no, she. Yeah, she she took her lickings too. They just psyched themselves up to get their arms essentially sawed in half. Strom mm. finds a uh, a tape recorder and a pile of ice. That was ice, right? I think it's supposed to be glass. Glass. Okay, I yeah, that makes a little bit more sense. This time yeah. it's Hoffman's voice giving a jigsaw speech. Your legacy is that everybody will think that you're the jigsaw killer and mm-hmm. bye-bye. And mm, the master plan, the master stroke is just to like pin this all on one other guy while you go into like vampire torpor or something like in the, in the <laughs> glass casket. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Now I will say 
I, I love this trap because what happens is because he uh, when Hoffman shows up, Strom gets the drop on him, throws Hoffman into the into the coffin, the glass coffin thing, then like seals itself up. Mm-hmm. And Hoffman, yeah, gestures to the tape recorder and the tape recorder is like, yeah, you you did this wrong. And then the the coffin starts folding down into the ground. It's kind of like at a yeah. 45 degree angle and it starts like falling down as the walls start coming together. Mm-hmm. You almost never see a, a wall trap like succeed. I, so, I was just going to say that. Yeah, that was kind of gnarly. And like that, that concept of a trap was very creepy of like the guy that you thought you had the drop on, like smirking at you while he's mm-hmm. like putting himself underground. I don't know where the thing goes. If the no. walls open back up. Yeah. So it, it gushes Strom and yeah. it's kind of brutal. Like you see a bone snap at one point. Like that was, yep. that was again, very well done. But again, like, yeah, you could have just like shot him and buried him. Like mm-hmm. it's, This is a long way to go. Cause you weren't teaching him anything. No, you just no. wanted to get a ha ha ha. And right. It's kind of annoying. Um, yeah. Again, and based it's also, on what, what Jigsaw was initially supposed to be. And it's also like, they haven't seen each other the entire film. So like, I don't know if this is trying to be like the riff on, heat or something where our where our hero <laughs> and our villain finally meet in a diner but it has no tension yeah. whatsoever um we're building yeah. up to this moment and it's just like eh. yeah i did like the squishy the walls yeah you know, that, was, that worked cool, just but fine. like so in theory you could end this whole thing here mm-hmm. you know like okay so now everyone's gonna think that strom did it because they find his his cell phone yeah they track it to this location and it's in front of where all these the the adventuring party yeah. It's been at. Mm-hmm. So it seems like maybe he set it up, but because not even is it just that Strom's dead, it's that his body is, is gone. Gone. So right. they'll never be able to figure it out like, oh, this is he died in a suspicious way. No, he's he's just disappeared. He's just pulverized. Yeah. And yeah. during this whole time, like the chief is running in there too with his gun drawn, trying to like track it down. And at one point, there's just three of these meaty dudes just wandering around, not in like, and we have no sense of where they are spatially to each other so it was hard to like generate any tension for me right in the end i swear he comes across brit she has like a meat hook in her hand and like she's like a like on the other side of a table or something like that and i was like did i miss something or is this going to be another part six thing that we're going to go backwards and see i don't know where she she has the meat hook um i don't know why she has it, but and also because like it's right by him. I'm I'm surprised he didn't just unload into her. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, with the, <laughs> right. with the gun. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Because she's like, we won. And right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. I like. I just. I don't care about these people. <laughs> it, right. It, I mean, I thought I didn't care about in two, but like two at least had some relation to the things that were happening outside of it. Right. And this one really doesn't. Other than like it ended up being a trap for Strom. I guess. Yeah. Or, did Jigsaw plan for that? It just. It's another case of of. By these increasing machinations, it makes the other ones like like Amanda and Jeff's tests were just meaningless, mm-hmm. apparently. Like it didn't matter what they did because he knew they were going to show up here anyway. And then he would use yeah. that test to do this thing. Like it doesn't feel like it's building to something. If it mm-hmm. like whereas we're five movies in, if it was the, 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 the end of the third one where it reveals like this was yet another test for you, Amanda, as because you were going to be my protege and you failed. It has a lot different feeling than it just these ongoing Right. Machinations that just don't seem to be going anywhere. And if they are, we don't we won't know because we're spending 90 percent of the movie in a flashback to see how we got there in the first place. Exactly. Getting that that format is getting really tiresome. It's getting um, very tired. Because I, I think they're they're in doing a lot of this. Yeah, they're removing what made it interesting in the first place because they're explaining stuff away. Mm-hmm. The wrinkles they're adding aren't doing much other than being just like you said, moving pieces around backwards. It's, yeah. 
It's not, it's not, not moving the story forward. There's not a lot of character growth or anything. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like I know much more about Hoffman mm-hmm. than, like, by the end of the movie than I did, like, in the first half hour. Yeah. Except that he tolerates his sister dating a Nazi. That's all I know now. That's, yeah, we did learn that. <laughs> so. Well, and then I guess you do, like, is, is it twist? Because they, and they don't underline this, which I will absolutely give them credit for. At the very beginning of Saw 4, when we see again at the end, you know, he gets a tape recorder that says, hey, you're going to be tested. You think you... We're going to get out of this. Has that even happened yet? Oh, yeah. You know? Right. This pretty much goes from like him getting picked up, you know, at the crime scene where it all went down with Matthew's head crushed and ice and all that stuff to the hospital room to or, you know, to getting promoted to the hospital room to all that. So, I mean, in theory, it might have happened alongside that at some point. But what? Yeah. What's his test? What's but going where? on there? Guess what? Probably the next Ugh, one. Maybe, probably the next one. Yeah. We have too many other things to do. Before we get to the next one, let us honor. Our dead. Seth Baxter, played by Boris Jarsky, sliced in half by a pendulum. Ashley, played by Laura Gordon, decapitated by razor. Charles, played by Carlo Rota, killed in nail bomb explosion. Luba Gibbs, played by Megan Good electrocuted in bathtub. Peter Strom, played by Scott Peterson, crushed by closing walls. I feel like the body count for this one was a little bit lower. Mm -hmm. And part of the problem here is also, it's just like, I'm not going to count the razor wire guy again. I'm not going to count, you know, uh, the ice block head explodey or anything like yeah. that do the final two people that put their hand in the in the in the 10 pints of blood machine are they dead don't really know so i don't think we can count those either yeah i mean they're kind of in that that carrie elwis like oh sure where are they sort yeah. of sort of thing but i mean yeah they seemed okay or you know like they're mm-hmm. there anyway they're they're still present so not not fully dead favorite trap uh favorite trap there's a lot of, like, I mean, I will say I do think like the, the traps in this one are fairly simple, but like mm-hmm. interesting, like the, the whole just don't get your head cut off. Yeah. Pull, pull that thing back. I, I kind of like that one. But I mean, the pit and pendulum is just the pit and the pendulum. So it's not necessarily the hand crushing was a neat thing, but that doesn't make it that interesting. Yeah. The oh man, I don't know. Probably the, the most effective trap for me, like watching it that I got the most reaction of is probably this the put your hand in the saw blade. Trap, I which would is, I mean, just very, very agree. simple, but it's simple, but I would agree. Yeah. Which actually, so did Hoffman design those because if jigs, cause if he, if he was setting up a game that would explain why they're a lot more simple because Hoffman's like, I don't really know. I, you know, yeah, I read exactly. on post story. That's how I did this. Yeah. I don't have the, sure. I was on the cover of an engineering magazine. Sure. Was, yeah, that'd probably be my, the most effective one. Mm-hmm. I did like the head sl- cut off thing. Yeah. That was just a weird. Yeah. Trap, it was weird so. and efficient somehow. Just a mm-hmm. clean decapitation no muss where do you think we're going in part six you think we're going to go forward or backwards some more <sighs> i think we we have to go forward because there's no investigation to be done on the previous oh, right on what's what's happened although we still don't know what's in what was in the note to a man mm-hmm. we're got we got to find out what was in the box the only other time jill has sh- jill shows up is she also lays the groundwork that she says strom is stalking her oh i forgot about that and so yes. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, well, does that mean that she's somehow in on it now? Which mm-hmm. would seem 
odd considering yeah. you didn't seem stoked your husband was a murderer but mm-hmm. uh, hey why not just retcon that away that's fine hey, yeah right they might do that she's come around yeah she figured maybe he out. was onto something something in that box uh, convinced her so i'm sure we'll get some something with that because i like as far as like loose ends that are still out there the the amount of people still alive are pretty pretty small pretty so slim yeah i'm not I'm, I'm not really digging hoffman mm-hmm. as, as an acolyte compared to amanda there's just there's not there's not the weird emotional element to it that, that right. they had. It's just, hey, do this. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, if they flesh him out next time, that'd be great. I just don't see them doing that. Not at all. Yeah. But we're going to get more, hopefully, like traps that are actually related to like a more cohesive story. I, this one felt less for all the flashbacks. It did feel less convoluted than four, mm-hmm. but still like, yeah, you, you ran the same problem again where you like you have these parallel stories that this one even less than three of like, oh, turns out they were related the whole time. Not really. Yeah, like it didn't even have that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a rough one, everyone. But yeah, uh, uh, yeah I'm uh, like you. I'm hoping that this is the Nadir um, uh, uh, of the series. By by all accounts, six is supposed to be pretty good. Okay. Uh, I think we're going to, if if all schedules align, we'll have a uh, a previous guest back on to discuss part six with us, which is always fun. Mm-hmm. In the meantime. What's going on over at uh, John and Alex Hate Stuff? John and Alex Hate Stuff, we are watching... Oh, we just watched Nope, and then uh, mm-hmm. we're going to be watching uh, One uh, One Cut of the Dead, which is a movie oh, that yeah. James and I watched together. And yeah. we're enjoyed. So it's I'm excited to talk one. about that. And then over on Patreon, on our Patreon, we are going through the uh, the John Wick movies, the uh, oh, parts nice. two and three. We did an episode like more than 100 episodes ago about John Wick and decided to revisit the other ones. Nice. Yeah. And yeah, we're still doing uh, spooky stories over on Please Leave podcast. If you want some original horror. And you do. Check that out. Yeah, and you do. Uh, yeah, if you're listening to a franchise horror podcast, you might want some more original horror. Like just one-offs. No, I don't. We I don't do. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Nothing <laughs> Just one-offs. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any reheated Jason? That would be exact. great. Exactly. <laughs> I'll work on that for please leave. Yes. Yeah. But you know, this does put us at the, uh, I don't know, halfway mark or so. I did. I did read that. They just announced saw 10, which I don't know. For all I know, that's yeah. Socks. So, so he's (laughs) a Boston guy. (laughs) You got any socks? socks. (laughs) Yeah. It's the um, the departed Marky Mark is actually, yeah. Bring back Donnie Wahlberg. There we go. Yeah. Family affair. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if that's a 2023 or 24, for October, I believe but, it's 2023. Uh, I think it's I good. think it's happening. God, so they must be filming right now. I'm ready to put that out. So expect an emergency pod about emergency that one. Emergency saw podcast, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you know, yeah. hopefully, we'll be up through part nine before October, and we'll be uh, starting to think about what our next franchise is. So yeah, uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, let us know what you thought of Saw Five. Uh, hey, if you liked it, that's great. Again. Always happy to to hear that. By all means, I know this franchise has more fans than I think John and I actually are, but uh, always looking for the good stuff in these. And uh, I don't want to crap on anybody's parade if they like it. But if you like Hoffman, I, that might be a bridge too far for me. Uh, respectfully, yeah, but like saying. I'm dying to know why. Yes, yeah, I'm dying to go. know why. Because I mean, <laughs> if you if you tell me like, well, after six, then then maybe I'm interested. Because right now he's not doing it for me. Yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not a thing where I want to just yell at you for having an opinion. I'm generally curious why <laughs> you like this movie. Curious, yes, um, yeah. All right, everyone. Well, do. thanks. Yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, we will see you next time for Saw Six. Good night. Good night. 
This has been a Two Penguins Media production. It was produced by James Strayer and edited by John C. Myers. Logo by Ethan Kimberling and music by Michael Arthur Holloway, who you can find on Bandcamp. Follow us on Instagram at thismayhurtabitpod and on Twitter at hurtabit. Email us at thismayhurtabit at gmail.com. And if you are so inclined, rate and review us on your favorite podcast app, and we'll see you next time.